Welcome to The Art of Badassery, where I explore what it takes to live life on your own terms, break free from the status quo, and unleash your inner badass. Whether you're a rebel at heart or simply seeking inspiration to step outside your comfort zone, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman, and each week I dive into the stories, insights, and strategies of those who have mastered the art of badassery and are living life to the fullest. They smile when no one is looking. Welcome to the Art of Badassery podcast. I'm your host, Mahara Wayman. Prepare yourselves for a riveting conversation as I chat with my guest, Danny Rosenblatt James. Not only does her journey encompass the picturesque landscapes of Sioux Falls and the enchanting terrains of Sweden, but it's also marked by incredible twists and turns that have shaped her into the badass she is today. You see, Danny's narrative takes unexpected turns, including a chapter marked by a traumatic brain injury. Her resilience in the face of adversity and the lessons learned from such a challenging experience add a layer of strength to her already fascinating story. But that's not all. Imagine the tales she could tell from her hitchhiking days and the unconventional experience of being a weed farmer. These chapters in her life contribute to a narrative that is as unconventional as it is badass. And then there's the transformative power of travel. Her globetrotting adventures have not only broadened her horizons, but have also left an indelible mark on her very being, from the bustling cities of the United States to the serene landscapes of Sweden, each journey has been a stepping stone in the evolution that is Danny. Today, we have the incredible opportunity to unravel these layers of her life. Let's welcome Danny to the show. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me here. We are going to have a fun conversation today. I, I'm al- I almost don't know where to start, but I think I will start with the name of your business. Please share it with us. All right. So the name of my business is Misfit Wanders. And I gave it that name because I've always felt like a misfit. I've always felt like an outcast in my whole life. And I think that was probably due to because when I was younger, my parents and I would travel through the U.S. because we have family all over. So I was used to going on road trips, which made me fall in love with travel at such a young age. Nice. Out of curiosity, just off the top of your head, what are some of your favorite places in the States? Ooh, so in the States, I really like Flagstaff, Arizona, Austin, Texas, which I was very surprised about, um, and Northern Cali. And that's where I worked for five years. Beautiful. So I want to thank you for sharing that. And everyone, as always, you can check out the show notes to find out more about her because she's got lots of links and she's also, she's also going to be doing something new and exciting. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but you are currently living in Sweden. Mm -hmm. How did you find your way there? (laughs) I found my way here because of love. (laughs) So uh, I I fell in love with my husband. Um, We actually met in Northern Cali and he kind of tricked me (laughs) with, Sweden. He brought me to Sweden just to visit to see if we wanted to move there during the best time, which is June. So full sun, beautiful, everyone's happy, parties, flowers, all this. And then we moved here and I get to 
<laughs> have the joy of having the winter, the dark, dreary, cold winters. <laughs> uh, but yes, so is love. That's why I'm here. I'm laughing with you because I live in Alberta, Canada, and ah. I'm the Caribbean. <laughs> so I know about dark, cold winters. I absolutely do. So you're now living in Sweden, mm -hmm. and you haven't given up the travel bug that you you know that you developed as a young child with your with your parents. What does that look like for you living in Sweden? I mean, it's a much smaller country than the United yep. States. Yes. So now my travel bug has turned into more of an international travel. Um, I actually have a two-year-old. So now it's become more of a family travel. Uh, my husband, my two-year-old, me, and then sometimes even my mom comes with. And my son has already been to five countries. <laughs> and yeah, so we've gotten to explore a lot. And it, it works because, I mean, if you look at Europe, it's it's about the same size as the U.S. in a way. <laughs> so, yeah. so outside of outside of the surface reasons why people love to travel, and you know, those of you listening, of course, you're like, well, we want to travel because it's someplace different or it's someplace warm. But I suspect that you've got more to say on this topic. So, what is it about exploring new places that so resonates with you? So it was actually, I think it was my first trip solo out of uh, U.S. My husband, who was my friend at the time, invited me to meet him up in Peru. And I went there and I fell in love with learning about different cultures, the new experiences. I mean, we learned how to fish in the Amazon with machetes. And we caught eight fish. And it's just like that experience alone was just mind blowing. And then we also, <laughs> we went out with locals that were our tour guides there that only spoke Spanish. My husband and I didn't speak Spanish. We met a German on the way that invited us on this trip who spoke Spanish, but we didn't know him before this. And now he's like a lifelong friend of ours. And that whole trip was just amazing. There's one night, I think it was like seven at night or something, complete pitch blackout. And the tour guides bring us out in the canoe, out in the middle of the Amazon. And we're just like, uh, one jumps in the water and then comes back on the canoe with a caiman. And I'm just like, where's its mom? Like, what? <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, so we got to camp out in the Amazons for three nights, and it was the rainy season, so every night we had to move our camping area because it would get flooded, and it was, yeah, it was just amazing. Just that whole trip, all in all, was just unforgettable. It sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I think I would freak out if I had been on that canoe trip with you, just saying. But what I think <laughs> is interesting is, at the time, you probably thought nothing of it other than oh this is an adventure when you look back on that outside of the story and recognizing that it was a great trip what can you see about yourself that is worth noting because I think this is really interesting so I guess when I look back at this I noticed that I like new experiences and I definitely like to go out of my comfort zone um <laughs> 
that's something I have learned from all of my traveling that I tend to do things that are out of the norm or away from the touristy areas, which some people may say, oh, that's dangerous. But I have a gut feeling and I always follow that, which has helped me through so much in my life. And yeah, that's where I end up where I am. <laughs> I love that you highlighted this idea of listening to your gut. That does take guts, but that's a real strong component of being a badass. It's just listening to what you're feeling. And, and I also think recognizing what you like and don't like is part of being a badass. It seems like your lifetime of traveling with your family prepared you for that. So you got a taste of that early on, which is you're very fortunate. What is it that you want most for your son to learn about himself as a, as a traveler with you? I want him to learn to be open to other perspectives, to see the world as as a world, as it's a huge thing. There are different cultures, different ways of life. There are different ways of living and no one should be judged for any of those things. They, It's just different where they're at. Um, and I think I really hope that this helps broaden his perspective and helps him stay an outgoing person and non-judgmental. So that's my ideal. <laughs> I think that's something that all moms want for their children. Mm -hmm. And that's a really beautiful thing. Being judgmental. I talk about it quite a bit on the show and especially in my, with my clients, because when we judge, we hurt. Mm -hmm. and I, I think that there's a percentage, there's a lot of people that don't know that or understand that because it's never been, it's never been spoken of. But I know from the work that I do that when we judge, we hurt on some level. So how wonderful for your whole family that you are continuing this, this idea of let's learn, grow, explore, and, and understand and appreciate our world. Can we go back to the traumatic brain injury? Because I know people are thinking, okay, when are we going to talk about that? Because that's not very common. So with your permission, can, can you tell us how that all came about? Sure. So let's see where to begin. Um, I was living in South Dakota and for the summers, I would go to Northern Cali to work. Um, so I was actually on my way to Northern Cali from South Dakota and I was driving in Wyoming and it was black ice. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll stay the night at a hotel. So I stayed the night at a hotel. The next day I started driving at like 10 in the morning. And, and I was like, oh, if it was really bad, they would turn off, turn, uh, turn off the interstates and not let you drive on there. Well, that seems like that's not true. I kept driving. It was the black ice. Visibility was less than a mile. And I just remember going, oh shit and I see cars piled up a big semi truck that's blocking all the lanes and I think I must have went on autopilot and I must have tried to go around somehow what ended up happening is I clipped my truck my pickup truck on one of the vehicles which turned the top of my truck into a tin can that was opened like a sardine can and uh what happened is it got me, so I had a gash in the top of my head, 
And later on, I heard if I was any taller, I probably would have been decapitated. Um, and also in the same moment, my truck did a 360. So the back of it also was hit. So I ended up with two bruises in my brain, two concussions, and I was very fortunate that it was so cold. So I didn't have to have a blood transfusion from losing so I didn't lose that much blood. Um, and the sheriff that had found me, he was going to be retiring in a couple weeks. And he said that was the worst accident he has seen his entire career. And I was just like, oh, that's great. So after all of that, I was traveling with my dog, which thankfully he was fine through it all. Like somehow, I'm so thankful. Anyways, <laughs> after this, they induced me in a coma and they helicoptered me to Salt Lake City, Utah, where I was in ICU for over 10 days. And so that's how all that played out to that point. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to take a deep breath and say, oh my God, wow, that was a horrific experience. And I'm so sorry that you experienced it. When I hear the term traumatic brain injury, the first thing mm -hmm. I think of is what's the trauma after the fact, after you get out of the, like, how do you know it's been traumatic? So, uh, and I, educate me on what that meant to you. What did you have? Like, what did that mean really? Yeah. So when, when someone says traumatic brain injury for me, it's when you don't feel like yourself anymore. I mean, it took two years before I actually felt like me. There were jokes that my friends would be saying within that time period that I was trying to heal. And I just, it didn't click. And some of my other friends were telling me that I was acting like I was 16 again. And at that moment I was 24 years old. So that's a pretty big gap to be missing. Um, also, when I got out of my induced coma, I my inner balance, my equilibrium was pretty much non-existent. I had to pretty much relearn how to walk, how to use my brain. They had uh, tests to do with me where they put me in the kitchen just to make sure that I remembered to turn off the stove, remembered to use uh, hot plates or just like all these things we kind of take for granted. And that's how I also know like traumatic brain injury is when you aren't fully there when you are there. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's like all those things that we do um, unconsciously uh, that I took, I took for granted. And then I realized after the accident, oh, wow, why am I not thinking and forgetting all these little things that usually just are there. Thank you for explaining. Uh, you did a great job. I'm curious if you, if you felt that this experience gave you a much better appreciation for the life that you have. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I think it was a couple months after my healing, I went back to Northern Cali because I was like, I have to work because I have a working bug as well. I'm kind of a workaholic sometimes. Um, anyways, when I got back there, the sheriff gave me a call and I found out that I had actually fractured my neck and I was very close to becoming paralyzed for the rest of my life. 
So on top of all of this, I learned this. And I think at that moment, I just gasped and I was just like, oh my gosh, I am so thankful. Like, yes, I had a lot to heal from. I, it was so painful, all of the stuff I was dealing with. However, it could have been so much worse. And having that realization and having that told to me is just like a smack to the face, like get your stuff together, get to where you want to be, do what you want to and become who you want to be. Well, the image that I got as you were talking, and I've said this before, is a very visual. Uh, what, what I was thinking was all of a sudden you went, you know what? I'm not going to bother wasting 20, 30, 40 years just pretending to be alive because I know how quickly that can go. And you just sort of jump right into like a different reality. Hmm. Were there any major personality traits that you noticed were different from the brain injury, even just for that little bit of a time? Um, I definitely, I already had really bad patients. But after that, I even had worse patients. Um, seems like people really could step on my toes quite easily. And that was just because I was on defense mode, like 24 seven, because of how damaged I was. And because of all the things I couldn't do when I used to be able to work eight to 10 hours to 12 hours a day. And then after the accident, I could only work an hour a day. And then the rest of the day I had to lay down because my body was in so much pain. So it's like, that was a huge thing. Plus my memory was crap and it's still kind of crap, but it's better. <laughs> it is what it is now. <laughs> wow. So much for so much for your body to go through. And thank you for sharing. You know, most of us can't even imagine, can't even imagine, but you're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. brain injury notwithstanding and we're happy that that you're here what happened next so you've had this traumatic brain injury I think you said it took a couple of years for you to begin to feel like yourself again where did your journey take you next um after the healing part to two years or so I think that's when well it was actually I think that first year of healing my husband realized that he wanted to be with me and we realized we love each other. So then we got married. So my parents, of course, thought, oh, she's not right in the head. She's marrying a stranger. <laughs> so they came and flew down to Northern Cali to meet him. And they were happy that he's a good guy and everything. But, you know, they had to second guess it all because of my accident. And it was such a short time period that we decided to get married. So then we got married and then we did a six month honeymoon through the U.S. <laughs> and a little bit of uh, Mexico. Then we ended up moving to Sweden. Um, and then I pretty much started a new life here with traveling in between when I had the chance. So we're going to take a short break right now, but I'll be back with my guest within 60 seconds. Ladies, unlock your inner badass and transform your life with my monthly subscription workshop. For just $47 a month, you'll have exclusive access to work closely with me, Mahara Wayman, as we dive deep into all things badass, from personal development to conquering your goals. Imagine waking up every day with confidence, 
purpose and a smile that radiates your newfound strength. Take advantage of this badass opportunity and join us today at www.mindfulnesswithmahara.com and start your journey toward a happier, more confident you. Smile when no one is looking. You've earned it. Do you think that you would have continued on this quest of traveling the world with as much passion as you do if you hadn't had the accident? I think I still would have passion to do it, but it would be different. It'd be a different kind of passion. It would be more like many of the other travelers that have that travel bug that do it. On the other hand, now for me, it's more of an appreciation for life. I feel like I have a bigger picture of when it comes to traveling because I'm able to do it. And it was almost taken away from me. Just having that, almost having it in your reach and then having it taken away and learning about this, it it changes things. Yeah, your level of appreciation, your level of gratitude, mm-hmm. obviously is, is so different than the average person's because to your point, it was almost taken from you. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you're here still after such a such a traumatic accident? I mean, hey. <laughs> well, to be completely honest, I think it's because I'm stubborn. <laughs> I, you're adorable. I, <laughs> I don't like to give I don't like to give up. And that's a huge reason that I have healed as much as I have. And I have pushed on with so many of my dreams as I have as well, because I'm stubborn. And it sucks that so many people see stubbornness as a bad quality or negative quality when it depends what you turn it into. That's my whole catalyst on becoming who I am, what helped me be shaped into what I am now. Okay. I'm loving this conversation. Talk to me about your definition of stubborn. (laughs) Um, Stubborn is when you don't back down, you just keep moving forward, no matter the circumstances, no matter what you're going through. So this could be someone that doesn't back down from someone that maybe disagrees with them. That can be a little difficult. Yes. Although this is the same person that doesn't give up on their dreams, no matter what is thrown to them, no matter if they go to a room, if they're going to be a speaker or something, and there's only one person there, but they keep doing it. They keep doing it and they finally get all the people that they have been dreaming of backing them up. So, I mean, that's someone stubborn to me. So I'm seeing a a correlation between stubbornness and badassery, and I'm sure everybody (laughs) is too. Can you give some examples of where in your journey to being the founder of your business and um, the new adventure that you're going to share with us in a minute, but can you give us some highlights of times when that stubbornness or that badassery really um, held you on the path that you were going? So give us some examples. Let's see. I would have to say I was in Peru and this was when my husband, that was my friend at the time, went our separate ways. We traveled separately for a while there. Um, So I met this Peruvian boy and he brought me to this very sketchy area and he wanted to bring me, I don't, I can't remember exactly. He wanted to bring me somewhere and I was like, no, I am going to stay here 
until you go do whatever you need to, and then we can go. But it was like, I'm not going to leave this spot because I am set where I am. I believe that this is a safe spot. Over there looks sketchy. I am staying here. <laughs> and that's another one of them. And another one is when I was in Cambodia, I traveled there with one of my nieces and we were getting, we were being followed by a man for a while. Um, and I grabbed her and I said, you stay next to me. We're going to go on this tuk-tuk here and don't look back. Just keep staying with me this whole time. So it's like I stood up and I let her know what was happening. And I didn't freak out because I knew if you freak out in any kind of weird feeling situation, it's never really good to do that. So it's like you really need to have confidence when you're in some of those situations. No matter how you feel about it, you need to fake it then. And that's what I've done a lot when I've traveled, especially in the U.S. <laughs> so what I'm hearing, just to summarize, is you mentioned this earlier, but I want to reiterate it because it's so important. You trust your gut. Yes. And when your gut tells you something, you trust it, you listen, and you um act on it, whether that is to move forward, let's go, don't look back, or I'm staying put, you go, I'm staying put. Total traits of being a badass. I think that's beautiful. Has that feeling gotten stronger as you got older? Or do you think it's something that you were born with? Or did it really come into play after the accident? I think this is something that grew with all of my experiences in life. Um, since I was younger, I pretty much had to be stubborn. I had to hold my ground for some of my family members in bad situations that they were in. Um, and this was when I was like seven or something um, and then older. So I've had to do this multiple times within the family, with some friends. And so it just became a part of me because of how many times I've used it. And then when I was hitchhiking, that is a huge part of learning that as well. <laughs> so I got to ask, I mean, I grew up, I'm a little bit older than you, but I grew up being told, oh my God, the last thing you ever do, you never, ever hitchhike. It's the most dangerous thing you could possibly do, especially as a woman. Hmm. What made you start hitchhiking? <laughs> um. I think it's just, I wanted the experience. Uh, so many people always look at the bad of any situation over the good. I mean, yes, it can be scary. However, if you are, if you're smart about it, like I never traveled alone. I always had my dog with me and yeah, he wasn't that big of a dog. He was an Australian cattle dog, but he scared away so many people. Like I could tell that <laughs> that was very helpful plus since I'm a female I had many ladies go out of their way to give me rides because they were scared like you were saying <laughs> I love that you talked about your dog and you're right that's not the biggest dog or the scariest dog in the world but I do think that there's a lot of benefits to hitchhiking that you know we don't usually talk about what are some of the top things that you want people to know about hitchhiking that are great if you're, if you're safe about it. Mm -hmm. I'd say you can meet some really nice, genuine, genuinely great people. 
I met um, a father and a daughter, which went out of their way to give me a ride. And they were actually working at the time too. So they were nice and genuine enough to give me a ride. And let's see, there have been a couple. There was a guy that gave me a ride when I was traveling with um, my guy friend and my dog. And he let us stay at his place, cooked us a meal and everything. And I'm just like, wow. So, I mean, there's so many good things about hitchhiking that kind of always gets overlooked. It's always people go to the negative. Yeah, I think that's really important to to call out is that there are two sides to every story. And while I have never felt comfortable hitchhiking, mm-hmm. it's great that you did and that, you know, you had beautiful experiences with it. I have to ask, where does the weed come into this? You you mentioned in the, in the bio that you were a weed farmer. So mm-hmm. what farmer for goodness sakes? <laughs> um, so first I was a hitchhiker for about a year. And then I became a weed farmer after that. I actually met up with a friend that had moved to Northern Cali. And that's pretty much how it began. And how long were you a weed farmer and what did you like most about it? Let's see. I was a weed farmer for about five years. What I loved the most about it was being out in nature and being around these plants. I mean, where I worked, there was no reception. So I really got to self-reflect on myself and have spend time with just myself and my dog. And that was so great. Plus, it was so peaceful out there and calming. I love that you said peaceful and calming, because as you were saying it, I was thinking, God, that sounds lonely. But that just shows (laughs) you the difference, right? Different people have different reactions, different judgments about things. So you've been a hitchhiker. You've been a weed farmer. You have traveled the globe and you're currently... (laughs) happily married. You have a beautiful two-year-old son who, by the way, shares your birthday. That's kind of cool. (laughs) And tell us more about your business as it is today and all of the things that you do, because you do have something new to share with the audience. Yeah. Oh boy. So I have uh, Misfit Wanders, which is um, eco-conscious travel is what I'm focusing on. Uh, I have a bunch of articles about Sweden so hikes and the outdoor adventures because I love nature already on top of that I am an influencer on Instagram so I talk about all the same things on there as well and I am also a speaker so I've been on multiple (laughs) podcasts mostly talking about traumatic brain injury and overcoming it um, along with my travel blog and I am working on an upcoming book that's loosely based on truth. So the storyline, the main storyline uh, about it is going to be my traumatic brain injury and how I overcame it. And a huge reason that I had started my travel blog is actually because I wanted to inspire people to be like to overcome the obstacles in life and to travel and to do it in a uh, su- uh, sustainable traveling way. <laughs> Very nice. So much to look forward to. When will this book be out and available? 
this book's going to be out on shelves the end of July. Beautiful. Now you actually have another book that's already yeah. published. And look at her face. You guys can't see this unless you're watching the video, but her face just lit up. Tell us about that one. <laughs> so this is in a completely different direction than the one I'm working on now. Uh, it's a, a children's picture book. It's called The Lost Little Dragon. And I actually started writing this when I was pregnant with my son. The idea just wouldn't leave my mind. So I was like, ah, oh, I have to do this then. And so I finally wrote it and edited it like 50 times or something. And then finally got it out on the shelves. <laughs> All right, let's do a little bit of a recap here, people. In case you haven't been following along, Danny's really a badass. And it sounds like she was a badass starting early on in her life for some reasons that we didn't go into in this in this podcast but from a young age she learned to stand up for herself and to be stubborn she calls it stubborn i call it being a badass <laughs> she has always loved traveling which brings out some badassery trusting your instinct knowing when to go forward and when to go you know when to stay put for example even though she suffered a debilitating brain injury she has recovered from it and learned a lot about herself in the process. She currently lives in Sweden where she has got this beautiful eco-friendly travel business called Misfit Wonders. And she is, it sounds like she's raising her son in the same vein because as a family, they've done some beautiful traveling as well. She's also an author and a new book is coming up. Have I forgotten anything? Um, and I'm an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> and right. an influencer don't forget check her out on instagram what i think is important to highlight though danny is shit happens but it doesn't mean we have to have a terrible life we can choose to learn from our experiences and not to downplay what you've had you know that accident sounds absolutely horrific but wow you've you've, you've continued to live a life that's very full and I think that's part of being a badass. You know, sometimes we get, we allow ourselves to be flattened by circumstances and stuff happens. But a real mark of, of our human experience is whether or not we get back up, right? Sometimes we get flattened and we just stay there. And I love your story that even though you had this horrific accident, it did not stop you from living this very full life. And I think that's to be commended. Can you think of a couple things that you do on a regular basis that you can share with our audience that you know help you to feel as good as you do? I'm actually glad that you asked that because I was going to say this anyways. So I have a self-care routine daily that I do, which involves waking up with gratitude, um, going on a daily walk out in the forest that we have around our house, around 45 minutes at least. Then um, I come back home, I do affirmations, which seems a little silly for people that don't really understand it. This is when you say, I am worth it. I am beautiful. I am whatever you are wanting to become or anything. And yes, at first it feels silly because you're saying this to your mirror, yourself in the mirror. But as you do it multiple times then you actually start getting pumped up and you're like yeah I am worth it yeah I am beautiful <laughs> and yeah I'm I love that part of my day now and 
And then while I'm on my walks, I do visualizations. So this is how I want my future to look and how I want to become. And I play it out as it's already happened. Um, and then I am on top of a gallon of water a day, conscious of what I eat for the whole day, stay positive the whole day as much as possible. And then I end it with thank you. I love all of that. To recap, start your day with gratitude. You have exercise. I totally believe in affirmations. I'm, I've been, thank you, Louise Hay. I was introduced to Louise Hay probably 35 years ago. And she, I think, is a grandmother of affirmations. You can heal your life was, I think, her biggest hit. Affirmations, of course, you do the, you eat well, try to drink as much water as you can, and you end your day with thanks. So lots of beautiful tips to live a badass life and to help you navigate the ups and downs that come with, you know, with being human. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Gentle reminder. I believe that we're spiritual beings having a human existence. When we can embrace our individuality and be honest about who we are and what we want out of life, then life actually gets easier. And what I heard you say, Danny, was that you really understand that there are some energetic laws in the universe. And the more you think about something and focus on that, the more it, you bring it to yourself. So talking, you know, imagining your future, beautiful. I love it. I do that myself. In fact, I do everything except watch what I eat. Uh, I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working on that. Danny, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience about your journey or about your business? I think I would rather give them a tip and that would be more stay positive and I guess two tips <laughs> and be confident in yourself. So if you want some kind of dreams to happen, go for it. If you want to travel, do it. Don't hold yourself back. You can do it. You heard it here, people. You can do it. Thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate your taking the time out of your day. I look forward to your new book coming out. That's a big accomplishment. Guys, check the show notes. I'm going to have all of the ways that you can connect with Danny. And there will also be the link to her book if it's out then. If not, I'll update it when it does come out. Thank you again. I will see you next week on The Art of Badassery. Thank you for tuning in to The Art of Badassery. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights to help unleash your inner badass. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave a rating or review on your favorite platform. Your feedback not only helps me improve the show, but it also helps others like yourself discover the podcast. Until next time, keep embracing your authenticity and living life on your terms. Here's to you.